We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. The bat pulls. May the force be with you. Who is that masked man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell, and for the next hour, we're going to excite, entertain, elucidate, and educate you with news, information, and exciting discussion about your favorite geeks. This is Fantastic Forum. Some genre-related news for you before today's discussion. A surprise announcement earlier this week that James Gunn has been rehired by Disney and will direct Marvel Studios' Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Gunn had been fired last July after the emergence of a large number of tweets that made light of child sex abuse and rape. Gunn apologized, but that was not enough at the time to retain his position. The studio put the third installment of Guardians on hold, but never replaced Gunn as writer or director. In the interim, Gunn entered into talks with Warner Brothers to direct the next installment of DC's Suicide Squad. No word on whether Gunn will continue those negotiations or if Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will resume its previous production schedule. More on this story as it continues to develop. Captain Marvel continues its assault on the international box office as its worldwide gross has surpassed $825 million. Over $286 million of that was earned domestically by the Marvel Studios feature, which is the first of that series with a female lead. The movie has led the domestic box office during its first two weeks in release, but faces a stiff challenge from Jordan Peele's Us, which is opening in over 3,700 theaters this weekend. We'll see if Captain Marvel can remain on top. Also this week, illustrator Joe Sinnott announced his retirement from comics following the publication of the final Sunday installment of the syndicated Spider-Man comic strip. The 92-year-old has worked for Marvel for the past 69 years and is best known as an inker, primarily on the Fantastic Four, on which he began working with issue number 44 in 1965. Sennett continued working on the book through 1981. During his career, he worked on virtually every Marvel title, with particularly notable runs on The Avengers, Thor, and The Defenders. Thanks for the terrific work, Jolton Joe. An anniversary this week, as March 18th marked 38 years since the debut of The Greatest American Hero on ABC TV. The show, about a teacher who received a super-powered costume from aliens but lost the instructions, starred William Catt, Connie Selica, and Robert Culp, and ran for three seasons, is still remembered as a cult classic. The National Cartoonist Society announced nominees for the 73rd Annual Rubin Awards this week. The Rubin is the highest honor bestowed by the professional organization and was founded in 1946. Categories include advertising and book illustration, comic books, animation, greeting cards, newspaper illustration, as well as editorial cartoons, outstanding cartoonists of the year, and more. You can check out the full list on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already liked this on Facebook, like us and follow us on Twitter. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. Winners will be announced on May 18th in Huntington Beach, California. The Disney acquisition of assets of 21st Century Fox was finally completed this week, and layoffs have already begun. Disney took possession of 20th Century Fox, Fox Searchlight Pictures, FX Networks, National Geographic Partners, Fox Family, Fox Animation, and various other divisions. Disney CEO and Chairman Bob Iger said in a statement, combining Disney's and 21st Century Fox wealth of creative content and proven talent creates the preeminent global entertainment company, well-positioned to lead in an incredibly dynamic and transformative era. And on today's show, we're talking Captain Marvel, not the MCU Shiro taking the world by storm, but the original, 
Known as Shazam in some quarters, the original Captain Marvel debuted in Wiz Comics, issue number two back in 1939. And his is a very interesting story. There's a new movie due out next week called Shazam. So in advance of that, we're talking about the Big Red Cheese, as he's sometimes called. Joining me for this discussion in studio is Drew Bittner and via remote, the curator of the renowned Cartoon Art Museum, Andrew Farrago. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Hi. Hey there. Uh, there we go. All right. So uh, now you uh, you heard that intro, and of course, uh, both of you very knowledgeable about the original Captain Marvel. Uh, I suppose, or or, or uh, rather, uh, perhaps I should call him uh, Shazam. <laughs> I'm sorry, I admit I was just looking for a reason to use that sound effect. Hey, so um, not many people may know that, uh, of course, and I mentioned in the intro, that the original Captain Marvel, because you hear Captain Marvel, and of course there's all this uh, hullabaloo about the uh, Marvel version of Captain Marvel, and um, that is not... That is not who we're talking about. Gee, Andrew, it sounds like you've got uh, a young person around there with you. Yeah. <laughs> is that your boy? Yeah, I've got Billy Batson with me. There, ah, there you go. <laughs> well, we may have to bring him on the show. Hey, but so, um, like I said, a lot of people may be unfamiliar with uh, why there is a, a second Captain Marvel. And, uh, you know, basically, there is a very sad and sorry story about... Uh, what happened and the the whole lawsuit uh, involving that? Now, uh, Andrew, because you are particularly knowledgeable about this, uh, I, I'm I'm going to throw it over to you uh, to explain exactly what happened and why there's a second Captain Marvel. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll keep it uh, concise. But um, yeah, basically, the biggest thing that happened in comics in the late 1930s was the introduction of Superman in action comics. And, of course, um, once you have one successful uh, publishing venture like that, everybody wants to get in on it. And this led to, uh, you know, certain characters that were uh, inspired by Superman, some that were direct knockoffs of him. Um, you know, I think, I think in the um, drawing inspiration from Superman category, you had Captain Marvel, uh, created by Otto Bender and C.C. Beck, uh, as you said, in the pages of Wiz Comics. And this was this was a little, um, you know, having a guy in a red suit who could fly and, and was, you know, good-natured and, um, you know, had all kinds of amazing adventures. Obviously, this caught on with kids in a big, big way. And uh, D.C. was not too thrilled with this. They were... Uh, you know, they said you've got a guy in a suit who can fly. That's, that's obviously uh, a cheap imitation of Superman. And uh, almost almost immediately, they uh, they filed a lawsuit against the publisher of the comics. Mm-hmm. Now, I I, I I just want to interject here real quick that um, I think part of the reason that DC decided to do this, they had had some success in terms of. Uh, suing people, at, basically suing people out of existence before, and uh, I understand uh, they had sued um, Fox Feature Syndicate because there was a character Wonder Man uh, that they were putting out, and actually Fawcett Comics also. Uh, they had a guy named Master Man, and uh, DC. Well, what would become DC uh, National uh, National Comics or National Periodical at the time uh, sued both those companies, and the other characters uh, ceased publication. Right, and uh, yeah, Will Eisner went on to do much bigger and better things in the comics business. Um, was part of the whole Wonder Man story. Is probably one of the, um, you know, one of one of the parts of his career he never liked to talk about too much. But he was commissioned to basically create, um, you know, as, as direct a knockoff of Superman as possible. This character called Wonder Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, prob- probably probably figuring kids were not the most discerning audience and would pick up anything that had a guy wearing a cape uh, who's who's doing fantastic things. And uh, yeah, so DC again successfully stopped them after publication. I think of a single issue. Hmm. 
so they, they figured that Captain Marvel would be a slam dunk again <laughs> because it's it's a it's a smiling guy wearing a wearing a union suit who uh, can throw cars around and fly and, and do other amazing things. Well, and whose alter ego was a journalist of all things. Well, he's a radio reporter. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. Well, and the other thing that I think is noteworthy about the original Captain Marvel, uh, that character was outselling Superman. In fact, uh, my understanding is is that the original Captain Marvel was the best-selling comic book superhero of the time. I mean, a, every issue was uh, selling close to a million and a half copies. Yeah, and I'd say that record probably still stands because that's... Um you know, comic book publication has not seen comic books haven't seen that kind of circulation since World War Two, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, you know that that success really didn't sit well with uh, with the top brass of DC Comics. Well, the, the, uh, the interesting know, they, they were they were there first, and they wanted uh, you know they wanted Superman to be known as the first and best of the superheroes. Sure. Well, the the interesting thing to me is that. Um... Fawcett did not have to really worry so much about this lawsuit because through the 40s they continued to publish Captain Marvel in Wiz Comics and Captain Marvel and so on and so forth. And um, it was really only in the early 50s when comic book sales started to soften that Fawcett looked and said, do we really want to keep sinking money into this if we're not going to get as much money back? And, you know, they'd, they'd won their first round of lawsuits against, you know, DC, DC lost the first lawsuit. But they'd mm-hmm. come back again, and they were trying again in, in the early 50s. And at that point, it was, you know, Foss that basically said, you know something, yeah, we're just going to stop. So so they basically gave up on publishing Captain Marvel. Now, DC did not actually have the rights to Captain Marvel until much later. And the trademark... Oh, yeah, ex- yeah. Drew, you're, well, get, you're getting get, way get ahead of the story. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Although, I no, I, yeah, but you know, I did say, how did we end up with two Captain Marvels? Yeah. So, uh, all right, you know, it, and, all right, so, all right, so continue to connect the dots then. I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. Mm. Well, the thing is that since, since any intellectual property has to continue to exercise their trademark, if something goes out of publication for long enough, it's considered to have been abandoned. And, in fact, by the 1960s, there had not been a Captain Marvel comic book in so long. Marvel Comics was able to come along and say, hey, you know, we can make up our own Captain Marvel. We can trade on our own brand. And he'll be this spacefaring dude, this Kree warrior, blah, blah, blah. And we're going to launch him as a brand new cosmic character in the Marvel Universe. And, you know, DC was naturally kind of upset about this because they pretty much had the rights at that point. Yeah, they had licensed the character, yeah, they, I believe. They, they didn't actually yeah. acquire the, the complete rights until the early 90s. Right, exactly. So, mm-hmm, yeah. Well, and it was a natural for Marvel, because, hey, Marvel Comics, Captain Marvel, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, and, and the funny thing was, that even when DC tried to repu- started to re- reignite Captain Marvel as a character in their own universe, in, in Captain Marvel's own universe in 1972, the initial subtitle was Shazam, the original Captain Marvel, and Marvel threatened to sue them over that. <laughs> so they had to change it to Shazam, the world's mightiest mortal. Yeah, it couldn't. I mean, I understand you could call him Captain Marvel on the interior of the book, yep. but uh, they're on the cover. You couldn't use it. Exactly. You know, that was a trademark. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and uh, of course, it ended up being a very successful strategy for DC. Um, although, I, you know, one wonders if. This would have been successful today. I mean, I because I, I think uh, with the and not to infer that courts were uh, not as thorough, but I think comic books were largely seen as being kid stuff. And so, uh, you know, because it seems to me there are plenty of differences, uh, substantial differences between the original Captain Marvel and Superman. But at the time. Oh, he wears a skin-tight costume, he flies, he has super strength, and his alter ego is a journalist. I think all of that at the time was enough to amount to, yes, copyright infringement. Well, mm-hmm. the funny thing is that even, even the first lawsuit did not Yeah, it wasn't successful. Pass. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, they definitely looked at these two characters and said, yes, there are qualitative differences between them. And it, it came down to, you know, that, yeah, there was going to be another lawsuit and there was going to be another course of action in in the courts and you know um 
I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's partly that Fawcett just decided it was just not worth it anymore, hmm. which is a, an unfortunate decision. They had an, an interesting stable of comic book characters, hmm. but they basically went out of business. In, well, it as took a comic publisher. it took a minute though, because uh, as you point out, it wasn't until the early fifties that uh, Captain Marvel stopped publishing, and you know this had been a very rich universe of characters i mean you had the whole marvel family there's yeah. captain marvel jr and mary marvel and uncle marvel and Paul marvel. marvel and yeah exactly yeah. i was getting ready to get to that yeah. you know i mean Talk so Tawny, you know, mr yeah, mine yeah dr savannah black adam yeah you know at the time i mean this was a, and they were selling really well oh, also uh, the the um, ancillary marketing, you know, too, because you had that serial with uh, yeah. Tom Tyler, and apparently this was the first time that a comic book character had been adapted to a movie. Hmm. You know, was that uh, Adventures of Captain Marvel serial, and uh, you know there were all these there were the the decoder rings and all the <laughs> other uh, you know um, property that they had. All so the stuff. Yeah, it was very lucrative. Yeah, you know? Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, that was uh, that serial was a was a blockbuster, and that you know they beat Superman to the punch, they beat um, Batman to the screen, uh, you know, and that that really couldn't have sat well with DC. And uh, yeah, touch, touching on what you said, uh, you know, they weren't even superheroes at the beginning; they were costumed heroes, um, and there weren't there weren't very many of them in those very beginning years, so. You know, I think you know D- DC may have had some justification in saying we came up with this concept, and everybody else is trying to cash in on it. But you know, what I think separated Fawcett from everybody else was uh, they did just some—they did some fantastic stories. They did—they uh, put a lot of heart and a lot of humor in there. They found their own take on it, and I think kids related to a kid with a secret identity mm. as a grown-up. Yeah, I think that was that's really what uh, that's why we're still talking about this character uh, almost eighty years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's eighty this year. Just such heart there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, in 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 its own way, Captain Marvel was uh, an even more progressive strip because Captain Marvel had a African American friend who uh, he inter- with whom he interacted. On a fairly regular basis. And uh, I know, you know people, and now of course, Steamboat was the character's name. And, uh, you know, we look back uh, with uh, our enlightened point of view today at uh, this character and see him as a horrible racist caricature, which he was. But I, I, I still want to point out that the fact that they even portrayed an african-american in the strip was very progressive at the time and so i just i feel like you you're compelled to give a nod to captain marvel on account of that so hey you're listening to fantastic forum on wera 96.7 fm radio arlington we are your community radio station i'm ulysses e campbell i'm joined in studio this afternoon by drew bittner and remotely uh, by andrew farrago who is the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum. We're talking today about the original Captain Marvel, Shazam! Yes, Shazam. Oh, oh, the thunderclap should have hit again. Uh, And, um, you know, not to be confused with uh, Captain Marvel, the cosmic Captain Marvel, or Captain Marvel, the woman who is uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe movie that is taking the world by storm. Uh, you know, the original Captain Marvel uh, is uh, the Big Red Cheese, and a uh, character that was created back in 1939. And so, uh, yeah, we're talking about him today, and we've just talked a little bit about uh, Wiz Comics and. Uh, his uh, origin. Well, actually, we didn't talk about his origin. We just talked about uh, how he how he s- came to not be any longer sued out of existence by uh, the company that ultimately became DC Comics. But um, and just to talk for a minute about his origin, uh, you know, because he was he was magic based. You know, yeah. of course, Superman, strange being from another planet. But uh, Captain Marvel, as we pointed out, young Billy Batson. And, uh, you know, went to the Rock of Eternity and met the wizard and uh, by saying his name uh, was given the powers, the the strength of 
uh, so, sorry, the wisdom of Solomon, the strength of Hercules, the uh, what was it, the the courage of Achilles. Um, let me see. The power uh, of Zeus. Yeah, yes, power of Zeus. Uh, speed of Mercury. I'm I'm missing one. I'm leaving one out. Oh, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. yeah. Who am I leaving stamina. out? There's stamina. Achilles. <laughs> Achilles. Okay, it was the stamina of Achilles. It was the courage of Achilles and the the stamina of Atlas. Oh right, stamina. Yes, <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah, me too. Yes, I yeah, the courage Atlas. The courage you know. of Achilles. Yeah, well, because and and that Achilles was always the one that messed me up because I'm like, wait, what do you get from Achilles? Was it the fighting ability? No, the cur. Okay, yeah, courage, whatever. But um, I was now, taking the invulnerability, but <laughs> hey, you know now um. Uh, like I said, of course, this movie uh, comes out next week. And uh, the one thing, because, uh, you know, we've had the chance to, well, at least uh, Drew and I have had the chance to see this movie in the advanced press screenings. Oh, you didn't? Tonight. Oh, you're, oh I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. That's I did good. not realize that you hadn't seen it. Right, I'm leaving well, here to go straight to the movie, so. There you go. All right. Hey, Andrew, have you had a chance to, have you seen this thing in the advanced screenings yet? I, I have not, but I'm, I'm actually, I'm really looking forward to this one. Okay, uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think you're going to enjoy it. Again. Yeah, I mean, of course, the embargo lifts this evening, so I'm going to get the official Fantastic Forum review out. And uh, then on another show that I do, uh, this Arlington in the Morning uh, morning show, uh, in fact, this Monday, we'll have it uh, you know, in, in the second hour, the 8 o'clock hour. But um, one of the things that fascinates me about this movie, because, and it's clear, this isn't a spoiler, people, but uh, it's clear that uh, what they have done is uh, they've got... Basically, he, he, Billy Batson turns into an adult, and but he's still 15-year-old Billy Batson. And I, I want to say that's a departure from the original conception of Captain Marvel, because my recollection, and you guys please correct me if I'm wrong, but my recollection is that Captain Marvel was a kind of different person, and he wasn't so much this kid in the grown-up body i mean he i mean i don't think i mean there it wasn't like rick jones and captain marvel you know with the yeah. marvel comics yeah. but you yeah, know they would actually buy christmas presents for each other so i think they were distinct <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i had forgotten about that yeah mm. but you know certainly captain marvel a more well-adjusted adult guy you know so yeah. um yeah but and it's fascinating that you've got kind of this other take on it um mm. Uh, Drew and then Andrew, but Drew, what do, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think um, that's that's generally the line they've taken um, up until fairly recently. Um, the character of Billy Batson, you know, speaks the magic word and he becomes this adult superhero. And there are traces of Billy inside. There's still some element of Billy at work in there, but it's really augmented by what I think of as being the wisdom of Solomon and all these other things and you know as as a grown-up he thinks like more more like a grown-up than he does as as Billy and now as of the new 52 and so on they've really been working to cast him as yeah he's still Billy inside a grown-up body and that's actually kind of the take that they had in Justice League Unlimited the story mm, uh, episode, yeah. the episode Clash where we see that oh yeah you know, Superman and Captain Marvel right. actually fighting yeah, yeah when they actually mm. throw down and you mm. see that there's this sort of innocence and naivete to Captain Marvel that's not present in earlier versions of the character mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Andrew yeah it's uh, you know the character's been reinvented in the comic book so many times that you know kind of kind of person by person they have a different approach to it so Jeff Smith. Uh, I think had them as, as sort of distinct personalities. Uh, Jerry Ordway had, you know, definitely Billy retain his personality, while uh, Captain Marvel, uh, after he transformed to Captain Marvel, uh, you know, and there's a lot of there's a lot of leeway there, and I think um, you know they're, they're, it's resulted in some pretty fun things. So you have a, you know, you have an incredibly powerful eight year old or ten year old. Uh, trying to save the world with, with the same ideals and worldview of a little kid. But, um, yeah, as, 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 you, as you said, even, even, when they're, even when they've been separate people, some of Billy's ideals and, um, you know, outlook have, have had a big influence on Billy. Or mm -hmm. 
Billy's point of view has influenced Captain Marvel's and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and that's something of a departure from uh, the other members of the Marvel family, you know, particularly uh, Freddie Freeman, Captain Marvel Jr., and uh, and Mary Marvel, because uh, my recollection is they didn't they didn't change at all, except all of a sudden getting costumes. I mean, yeah. at least uh, you know, not up until the new Fifty Two version, and uh, and now Freddie Freeman as Captain Marvel Jr. I always thought he had a particularly uh, dark sort of origin because, uh, you know, of course, Captain Marvel fighting Captain Nazi and uh, punches him uh, over in the vicinity of uh, Freddy and his grandfather. They were in a rowboat in a lake. And, uh, you know, they, they take pity on this poor guy. Oh, my God, let's pull him up into the boat. And what's the first thing Captain Nazi does? Throws the old man over, drowns him, and then hits Freddie Freeman with an oar and yeah. practically kills him. I'm yeah. like, damn. It's pretty, it's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, that's pretty ungrateful. You know? <laughs> That's pretty darn ungrateful. Yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, but uh, yeah, but uh, and of course, Freddie Freeman uh, being. I think back in the day, he was lame or yeah. something. You know, was the way they put Had a it. Crutch. Yeah, exactly. You know, he was tiny but, Tim. Yeah, basically. Yeah, you know. But um, yeah, you know, and and of course, he was an amazing. Hmm? He was an amazing character, and that um, you know, it showed how good and noble they all were. That uh, he had he had no. He had no real incentive to ever change back to Freddie Freeman. Um, you know, he had this other body where he was, you know, not only healed, but superhuman. Uh, but he knew that he should only use those powers in a limited capacity and, you know, only only for the cause of justice. Uh, so it was, it, was, it was interesting that, you know, really, really he, by all rights, sort of just stayed Captain Marvel Jr. Yeah. Um, hundred percent of the time, but uh, you know, Alan, Alan Moore would riff on that in his comic Miracle Man years later. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and um, in a dark way, yeah. Oh, very, yeah. But um, it's also interesting that his his, his power word was Captain Marvel. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. so, can't even say his own name without changing back and forth. <laughs> well, he was Captain Marvel Junior. I yeah. guess if you say Captain Marvel Junior, you're okay. You I know, guess you got that, to, yeah. that split second to get the Junior in. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? I'm Captain Marvel Junior. You're okay. Yeah. Well, but all right. So um, it's interesting you mentioned that too, because uh, as I recall, Mary's. Uh, she said Shazam. Yeah. Didn't she? Yeah. You know, so, and I, I forget as far. And actually, even uh, Black Adam. And I had to look up Black Adam because I knew that he was from back in the day, but I had just been more familiar with him, uh, you know, from the contemporary comics. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly, um, what was that, that New 52 stuff? Because I'm going yeah. to I loved that stuff with Black Adam, like especially just, when. Just Society? That Jeff Johns was doing? Uh, well, no, no. In the um, in, I think it was in New Fifty Two because wasn't that when uh, they brought and you know in the second half of the show we'll talk a little bit about uh, the TV series, but they brought ISIS in yeah. and Osiris yeah. and all that stuff. And well, the, um, the funny mm-hmm. thing was, yeah, it was the same. It was the same magic word, but it was four, it was six different deities or yes. deities, heroes, and, and so on. So mm-hmm, yeah, but I was I was thinking specifically about uh, when. Uh, you know, because Black Adam was sort of, um, I, I don't want to, well, he was a straight-up villain. Uh, well, mostly a straight-up villain in the original comics. Um, you know, but he was sort of morally ambiguous uh, in the contemporary books. And, in fact, I understand there's a movie that's in development with Dwayne Johnson, uh, you know, The Rock, uh, planning on playing him. So, uh, you know, and, of course, uh, you know, what with uh, Scorpion King and all that, he sort of has a history of playing these uh, morally ambiguous characters. <laughs> but, um, you know, but I thought it was interesting that uh, this particular character, um because he, I mean, he sometimes he'd be not bad. Other times it was kind of questionable. And I remember a particularly poignant sequence where Captain Marvel, you know, Billy Captain Marvel, had to reset um, uh, Black Adam's magic word. And um, there was a fantastic sequence where um, uh, Black Adam turns back into um, Theo Adam. The, or, yeah. yeah, yeah, whatever the guy, yeah. old Egyptian guy was, and he's he's falling through the sky and he keeps calling out shazam but he doesn't change and i'm like oh i mean it was a beautiful sequence and um 
you know so any, anyway i mean if, if you're interested uh, listeners you might want to check that out but um you know really uh, really great uh opportunity to kind of um you know see some of the stuff that goes on in these comics anyway look um we have reached the halfway point of the show and so it is time for me to remind everybody that WERA is a community radio station. We're non-commercial. We rely on the ongoing generosity of our underwriters, our sponsors, and our listeners for the totality of the operation of the radio station. And you can find out more about us if you visit the website at WERA.FM. But what we're going to do, we're going to pause momentarily while we uh, acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters and our sponsors. We're also going to promote several of the other upcoming shows later today on WERA. But stick around, because I'll be back with Drew Bittner and Andrew Farrago as we continue to talk about Shazam! And welcome back to the Fantastic Forum here on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined this afternoon in studio by Drew Bittner and remotely by Andrew Farrago, who is the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco. We are talking Captain Marvel. No, not the Shiro from the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but the original, the Big Red Cheese himself, a DC Comics character now, started off as Fawcett Comics, and um, he is in a new movie that is opening next week from DC Comics. It's called Shazam. And so uh, in advance of that, we're talking a little bit about the original Captain Marvel. So now, my first introduction to this character was a TV series that mm. was on in the early, well, actually, I guess the mid-1970s. Uh, it was a Saturday morning uh, live-action series and uh, very entertaining, although um, one of the things that I note is uh, you had Billy Batson riding around in a camper with this uh, guy, Mentor, and I thought Mentor was really old at the time, and now Mentor doesn't look so bad to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but yeah, but that was that was my first introduction to that. That and uh, the accompanying show, Isis. But uh, did you guys ever watch uh, that uh, that Captain Marvel series? Sorry, Sh Shazam is what they called it. <laughs> Actually, yes, I did. Um, I had started reading the comic books when they were starting to re-release them at some point earlier, and I didn't get the first couple of issues that C.C. Um, Beck was drawing. They actually brought back C.C. Beck I knew to, that. to draw yeah. mm -hmm. the, re the revival in 72. I didn't, I didn't get those issues, but I started reading it, I think around issue 8 or something, and um, I started really like liking the character. I thought, this is a really fun guy. And so, yeah, when the TV show came on, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to watch that, sure. But it's it's definitely one of those like, yeah, this is pretty weird. He's talking to an oil painting, <laughs> you know. <laughs> the oil painting is like the six, you know, gods. Oh yeah, the uh, what they call yeah. them, the elders. Yeah, it's like, yeah. okay, mm -hmm. we're gonna give you our power. Like, here you go, boom. <laughs> oh, elders, fleet and strong and wise, appear before my seeking eyes. <laughs> yeah, and, and no wizard Shazam, just mentor. Yes, mm. you know, an old an old dude <laughs> mm. who doesn't really do very much. He just, I think he just drives the camper. <laughs> well, uh, Billy sure couldn't drive the camper. <laughs> yeah, but. You know those, and I, as I recall, that series ended up running for uh, for about three years. Yeah, yeah. But, you know? um, so, but very entertaining. And again, they called him Captain Marvel uh, once. You know, you got into the series, but you know the thing was called Shazam. You know, leading up to it, and uh, I think this was a lot of people's uh, introduction to this character. Uh, you know, because he uh, sort of fell on hard times after he stopped publishing and you know basically that was that was it there was no more of the marketing there was no more of the comic book and the character sort of fell into obscurity but you know of course a lot of characters did uh, you know around there in the early 50s that whole uh, and you know don't don't get me started on that whole hoax of Dr. Frederick Wordham and uh, you know we find out years later that he faked these results of these studies when he wrote Seduction of the Innocent but basically destroyed 
the entire comics industry, or practically all of the comics industry. But one wonders, because I, I suspect that Captain Marvel was wholesome enough that he could have continued to, to be published along with the likes of Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and weathered the storm. I think so. I think that he certainly had a much better shot at it than a lot of other characters that were being published at the time. Certainly uh, the things that EC Comics were doing, hmm. which was really the target of what the whole you know, congressional investigation was all about. They wanted to put those guys out of business. And they did, in hmm. a sense. Um, Mad Magazine was the only one that survived out of all their publishing roster. But, um, yeah, I mean, um, it's, it's interesting that this character who had been so significant and so, such a bestseller in the 40s really vanished in the 50s and 60s and only had a slight resurgence in the 70s. It's really only when you get up to, like, when John Byrne did Legends for DC that they started bringing back Captain Marvel as, like, a major character inside the DC universe. Mm -hmm. So. Well, yeah, and certainly he's had a number of very prominent appearances uh, since then. You know, I mean, I think about that, um, oh, uh, what was, oh, I, and now, of course, I can't come up with it, but and I can't come up with anybody's name. You know, the, the guy who does all the paintings. The, Alex the, Ross. Yeah, Alex Ross, exactly. <laughs> what in the, yeah, I know, he's like, oh, you couldn't remember Alex Ross, you dummy. No, um, and what was that? Uh, Kingdom Come. Kingdom Come, yeah. thank you. Oh, my goodness, yeah, you know. I mean, where Billy had actually grown up, and strangely enough, grown up Billy looks just like Captain Marvel. <laughs> Who knew, you know? But, I yeah. mean, some of that stuff, in fact, some of that stuff was pretty scary for me. I mean, yeah. there was, uh, as I recall, um, you know, because uh, Luthor had like bent Captain Marvel to his will, and uh, you know, so he was basically Luthor's pawn, and he was a showed up. He's a tag dog. Yeah, you know, and showed up there uh, to thwart. Yeah. Superman and uh, you know, and it, it, as I recall, the dialogue it was something uh, like, and with a with a bolt of lightning, Armageddon arrives or something. It scared the piss out of me. I tell you, I was reading this book. I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, because of course, a Superman is at a disadvantage in a conflict with the original Captain Marvel because this guy is magic based, you know, and that's the you know, way you know. Hey, we know magic is like that's like kryptonite. The Superman that's one of his weaknesses. So I don't know, Andrew. What do you think? Okay, on, uh, yeah, as far as Captain Marvel integrating into the DC Universe, it was, you know, it's kind of a strange fit. Um, you know, he was, a, he was a character from a more innocent time, so some people have, uh, again, like Alex Ross and Mark Wade and Kingdom Come, um, you know, they've, they've had a hard time reconciling such a light character in darker stories and in a universe that's... Um, you know, not not been against taking a darker turn with its characters on occasion, but um, yeah, uh, getting getting back to um, whether whether Billy and Captain Marvel would have survived if they kept going in the 50s. Um, you know, there were there were trends apart from Doctor Wortham. Uh, you know, there was there was some concern that superheroes were a trend that had passed. And, um, you know, Superman sales were down. Everybody's sales were down. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say. There are a lot of different factors at work there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, and, and I understand that. And uh, in some regards, it's interesting that the, uh, the, the genre of comic book superheroes survived at all, you know, because historically... Uh, there were cycles to the sales of comics, and you had, uh, at one point, Western comics were popular, and war comics were popular, and romance comics were popular, and horror comics were popular. And, you know, there were sort of cycles to all of these uh, periods of popularity. And yet, the superhero seemed to uh, bridge all of that, and, you know, they started appearing in the late... Uh, 1930s and uh, you know I really you know with the pulps I think the Phantom you know was like the first one but you know Doc Savage and you know then you know Superman the very other, other character but this is a, a trend that has essentially continued to this day you know that these 
these this particular genre of comics remains popular and you know I mean, sales uh, and we've talked about this on other shows you know in terms of you know the sales flagging and and the reasons for that and certainly I think today uh, their their primary value is as uh, source material for other types of media, you know, movies, television, you know, where, uh, you know, these characters can, you know, leverage their popularity into something that's a lot more lucrative for the parent companies. But, uh, you know, the, the sequential storytelling. Uh, you know, is something that still appeals to a lot of people, and you know the the comics aren't going away, and the superheroes aren't going away. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's funny. It's like I think that um, you know, the the medium is going to change. The 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 mechanics of delivering the story to readers is going to change. What's interesting is that um, DC saw the need to evolve Captain Adam in certain way. Sorry, Captain Marvel in certain ways. Um, because he's now a character who's living in a more morally ambiguous time, a more morally gray era, maybe than the the world in which he was created in this this artificial you know Marvel family environment. Um, so we have a Captain Marvel that's a little bit more streetwise, a little more savvy, even though he's still young, even though he's still kind of a goofball, and. I think that that's DC doing its best to make that accommodation between the real world and the sort of idealized innocence of the Captain Marvel world. Hmm. Andrew, what do you think? You know, I, I like to think that there will always be a place for heroes, um, pure heroes like Captain Marvel. And, you know, as long as, as long as we don't lose sight of that, you know, inherent... <laughs> goodness and nobility and um, you know people wanting to do the right thing for the right reason uh, you know I think I, I'm, I'm, I'm an idealist I like to think that we'll always uh, we'll always have a need for Captain Marvel and I also like to think we'll always have um, you know comic book adventures starring these characters Mm-hmm. I sure hope so. <laughs> yeah, me too. Hey, so you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Andrew Farrago. We are talking Captain Marvel. No, not that Captain Marvel. The original Captain Marvel, uh, you know, who is coming out in a new movie, Shazam, just next week. So, um... You know, one of the okay. So we were just talking a little bit about uh, the whole survivability of Captain Marvel and comics, and the particular um, orientation of this character as far as his optimism, uh, you know, his um, uh, sort of inner joy kind of thing. Uh, now, in a very noteworthy way, uh, with this uh, whole, um, I think it started with the New Fifty Two. And has continued uh, with this um, uh, rebirth. rebirth. Thank you. I, I was having trouble coming up with that too. Um, but uh, they've sort of redone the Marvel family, and I'm curious uh, in terms of uh, what each of you feels about this. Um, re- I think it was Jeff Johns who was writing this new version. Yeah. Um, so, Andrew, uh, what do you think about uh, this uh, reinvented Marvel family? You know, with the Foster kids and all of that stuff. Okay, I'd say for for the most part, and this this was uh, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank in the uh, uh, the backup feature in his Justice League comic. Um, you know, I think for the most part it worked. It was it was a little rough around the edges. It was um, you know kind of a more modern, um, you know maybe 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 slightly more real world take on Billy than we'd seen before. Um, you know, I, I still prefer the original, but I thought I thought he did a pretty pretty fair job of modernizing the characters. Mm-hmm. Drew, um, well, I mean, the the first time we see some of these characters is in Flashpoint. That's the first time that you know Eugene and Pedro and Darla are introduced, and these are the other foster kids in that family. They are collectively known in Flashpoint as Shazam with periods between all the individual oh, letters yeah. mm. and each one has a different ability and oddly enough that was the original premise of the book is that there would be six characters each one has a singular power and they said no no we want just one hero who's like superman so that's how captain marvel was created really yeah 
And so they kind of revert to an older model in terms of how they did this. Now, that said, um, I have to admit, I was not initially a great big fan of the reinvention of this character. Um, much like Andrew, I sort of prefer the purer version. I like the more innocent, um, idealized version. Uh, that said, I mean, I can see why they wanted to do this. I can see where they wanted to take the character. And I guess for me, the proof will be in the pudding. If the character actually pans out and, you know, calls back the certain attitudes that I felt in terms of Captain Marvel, then it pays off. If if not, then it's just another attempt to reestablish the character that maybe didn't work. Hmm. Well, uh, I like you guys, I am something of a purist. And I, I think, um, you know, part of that has to do with the way that I came to, to comic books. I mean, I think it's all about that whole uh, nobility and the honor and the heroism uh, of these characters. And that was what attracted me as a youngster to it all. And, you know, there were, there were real life lessons that you could take from these comic books. Uh, you know, and, um, you know, it was... I, 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 I think it's kind of sad in some ways because... One of the things that it seems as if it's happening, um, the whole world is getting grittier and kind of dirtier in some ways. And uh, we have, I mean, for example, like Wolverine. Now, I, hey, I love Wolverine to death, and he's a great guy and noble character and all that. But there was a time you couldn't have a character like Wolverine be a hero. Yeah. You know, because of these blades coming out of the back of his hands. And, the and he only, was killing people. Yeah, he was killing people. Yes, yeah. That's a you know, real uh, inherent part of his character conception. And, you know, the, the day, I mean, when I first grew up reading comics, the, the heroes that used edged weapons were knights, you know, like uh, Prince Valiant and the shining knight and people like that and when they struck they used the flat of the blade and stuff you know so um you know and and captain marvel in a lot of ways uh harkens back to a different time now with the exception of that tom tyler serial (laughs) where captain marvel (laughs) is a vicious sop (laughs) i mean and i i've seen you know some people have uh you know it cherry-picked and taken select parts and you can find this on the internet but captain you know, monster <laughs> yeah i mean it's like it's like what the uh, the sadistic adventures of captain marvel or something he's throwing people off buildings and he hits this one guy with an engine block and <laughs> you know, off cliffs and all that you know but um they were bad people and they had it coming to them <laughs> oh my but, gosh yeah but uh, my, my point is though that i i prefer the original conception of this character also and so i was very curious to see what the movie did and how they sort of reconciled this because you know from the from the uh, the trailers you know i mean it clearly there are a number of comedic elements to it but you know it, it's also the stakes when you go into battle against a supervillain, are are very high, and so for all the levity, uh, you know, for other parts of the movie, you know, clearly you get to a point where, all right, now it's life and death, and uh, you know we have to deal with this. And that was the way the Captain Marvel comic books were. I mean, yeah, sure, there was you know sort of the hokiness and the fun and the humor, but then you know there was real danger yeah. and you know real real you know stakes. So. Yeah. Um, you know, anyway, but I, I, there wasn't really a question there, but, you know, what, what do you guys think? Uh, Andrew? Well, you know, it's, you have to take things, like you mentioned Steamboat earlier, you have to kind of uh, look at the era in which these things were created, uh, kind of know the morals and the standards of the time. Um, you know, if you're fighting Nazis and, and uh, racketeers and they don't make it out alive, that was just uh, kids' entertainment back then. But, um, you know, again, like, uh, like Drew said, you know, as long as we keep that character's moral center there, as long as we, you know, I, I, I love him being a good guy, uh, just, just so, you know, unflinchingly, unrelentingly good with a capital G, uh, you know, and I think we, I think we need a character like that, um, today and, and always. Mm-hmm. I, I agree completely. I think that we we do need those kinds of characters. That's why I think the the Marvel universe was a poorer place without the Fantastic Four. Um, 
I think you need those very clear-cut, idealistic characters. And in, in a way, that's maybe that's why I had the reaction to, to this version of Shazam that I did, is that um, it did not seem like that's where they were going. It didn't seem like the character was as inherently noble and good. It seemed like this was more a kid with power, maybe playing at being a jerk a little bit. And I wasn't as, I wasn't as wild about that. I wasn't as wild the, about the vibe that I was getting from that. And so, um, so I think that for me, it's going to be like: is is he the childlike but not childish hero that I want to see? Um, is he the idealist character that I want to see? And is he the the kind of guy that I'd I'd want to read his his adventures every month in a comic book? Hmm. That's very interesting, you know. So, I, well, I'm sure that we are all uh, looking forward, uh, I, I suppose, with bated breath, uh, to the arrival next week of Shazam. <laughs> April, April 5. Buy your tickets now. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Well, look, that is uh, just about all the time that we have for the show. Um, I want to thank you for tuning in. Also, thank my guests. So, Andrew Farrago, you are the curator of the Cartoon Art Museum out in San Francisco. Uh, tell us a little bit about the museum. Yeah, I'm actually not far from it right now. I'm at uh, Fisherman's Wharf on a, on a Saturday afternoon. Uh, and, yeah, the museum was founded in 1984, one of the only museums in the world that collects, preserves, and displays original cartoon and comic art. And, uh, yeah, 30, uh, 35 years and, and going strong. And, uh, yeah, we, uh, we, lo- we, love, we love comics, we love cartoons, and we love uh, sharing that enthusiasm and uh, knowledge and historical perspective with um, visitors from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's, um, I have not visited the new location, but I'm going to be in town in about another two weeks, and I'm definitely going to come by, man. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I hope we're able to hang out a little bit. But you're also an Excellent. author, and there's other stuff that you do. Um, you know, what, what have you got uh, coming out uh, next? Yeah, actually, I'm, I'm putting the finishing touches right now on uh, an 80th anniversary Batman complete history book for uh, Inside Editions. That's a nice. uh, whole comic book, movie, television show, video game, animation, everything else, history, uh, crammed into <laughs> uh, a few hundred pages, and that'll be out this fall. Cool. Uh, most most comprehensive history book I've ever written, and it's, it's uh, really looking forward to it. Wow. All right. Hey, so uh, what's the um, website address for the Cartoon Art Museum if somebody wants to find out more about it? Okay, cartoonart.org, and you can find out more about us, our programs, our exhibitions, uh, supporting us as a member, and uh, yeah, anything else, Mm -hmm. (laughs) anything else cartoon and comic related. Cool, yeah. And if you visit fantasticforum.tv, you can actually find uh, the uh, video piece on the Cartoon Art Museum. Uh, from my visit there several years ago. It was in a different location, but, you know, hey, same great stuff, same great people. So, um, hey, uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, of course, uh, Drew, I would give you a chance to, like, uh, promote yourself, but we're almost out of time, so I'll simply say, um, you know, tune in, uh, same t- bat time, same bat station,